We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on rotogrinders.com. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blenderhead, a.k.a. hopefully, hopefully this week, finally, on top of you in the GPP leaderboards on DraftKings, FanDuel, wherever you play. I'm joined, as always, by the, the man behind the model of Advanced Sports Analytics. It's Stuart Gibson. Stuart, did you have a lineup without an injured player last week? I did a pretty good job. Uh, I mean, not a good job. I got lucky uh, in in kind of avoiding most of the injuries, but, um, you know, caught some really low scores from the likes of Mark Andrews. Uh, you know, Kenyon Drake was kind of a letdown. So, uh, honestly, didn't fare me uh, that well, um, but still, you know, got some, some uh, you know, injury-riddled lineups in there for sure. Um, Is there? Do you have any, any, any injury, like – proclivity in the can can you even do that not i mean not really except for that players that frequently uh you know exit games are gonna have more uh data points where like their snap counts are low or their target uh counts are low um i mean it would take like i mean like james connor's a guy i feel like he has just kind of gotten injured in the middle of so many games that he like naturally is gonna have uh, a somewhat deflated uh you know, historical snap count. Um, so that, you know, will feed into the model uh, to some extent, but I mean, it, it, I think there's only a handful of players that, you know, get injured so frequently that, you know, their uh, propensity for injury kind of registers, uh, you know, in the data in, in a, you know, salient way. I think, you know, most of the guys not really an issue. Right. It's just, it's happenstance. If it happens, you can't, you can't project it really. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, last year we did some research around, um, I think it might've been following kind of that James Connor injury game early in the year last year. And, you know, trying to do, I guess, some just basic, basic research about what positions, uh, you know, have kind of more and less injury risk. And I don't really think anything, uh, super substantive came out of it. Um, but, uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, look, I don't think, these things are like worth uh, a, a super strong reaction to for just one week. Um, you know, if in the next couple of weeks we see continually kind of elevated injury rates, maybe a lack of preseason, lack of training camp, you know, 
could be hypothesized as a you know, cause for that, you know, maybe then we might kind of try to take a look and see, um, you know, if, if we can't uh, be ahead of, you know, potential injury risk, but uh, at least for this week, probably going to tend not to uh, be too concerned about, you know, players perceived as healthy coming into the week, uh, you know, getting injured. It just, I feel like, you know, you, on, on the one that you might hit out of 10 kind of guesses at possible injury, you're going to miss out on a lot by avoiding players that you perceive as an injury risk that, you know, more times than not aren't going to you know be an issue for, for a one game sample. Well, on that note, I mean, we're doing the show now on Friday afternoons as opposed to Thursday night. So we do get the Friday practice reports in. So we've a, we've a little bit more knowledge on who's in, who's out, who's questionable, who's doubtful uh, in your model. I mean, we have guys like like Julio Jones, uh, who is nursing a hamstring injury. He's, I mean, I'm going to assume he plays. Uh, we see AJ Brown just got ruled out. Kittle just got ruled out. Uh, for for the for the players that uh, carry Q tags, I know in the past they used to be a P tag, a probable tag, and they don't do that anymore. Uh, do you do you factor into your model like they're guaranteed, like either they're in or they're out? Or do you weigh, like, if they have a Q tag, that X percentage of the time they don't play? Because, like, to me, if you're going to build, you're either building based on the fact that they're in or they're out and not, like, I'm going to put a median between, like, Julio Jones and then also raise Russell Gage and Ridley and Hurst, you know, like, in your model to say, like, well, I'm going to project them for more in the 20% chance that Julio is out rather than just waiting for the information? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, in the early stages of the week, I try to be, you know, optimistic that the players that are limited participants, you know, carrying the Q tag will play. Uh, and, you know, assume that if a player's doubtful, they're not going to play. Obviously, out is out. Um, and then, you know, as we kind of get into the weekend, yeah, it does, uh, I think, take just some manual intervention to kind of look at um, – okay, you know, how, how likely is this player to play? Um, you know, if it's like 75% or whatever, probably just project as if they're in. And then if that changes, you know, obviously update projections. Um, I think, you know, one of the trickier, uh, I guess, scenarios to project for is a guy, uh, like we had it kind of in week one with Evans, where there's a guy who we knew was going to be in, but there were some serious concerns about, um, just the degree in which he's involved. And I think, you know, they're um, probably try to, you know, be a little conservative on projections for players that we think there is significant risk that um, either they might be limited uh, in the game due to injury or, um, you know, if there is a, like just high likelihood of re-aggravation. Um, but I don't know. I think for the most part, I, I try to work under the assumption that guys that are in, uh, you know, are, are going to play to kind of their, their fullest extent. Um, unless, you know, there's some report that says like, Hey, this guy's on a pitch count or, you know, Julio, uh, has looked, you know, really shaky and, you know, maybe then kind of might do some manual, um, you know, reining in projections, particularly, I think like, uh, just trying to reduce kind of projected volume maybe would be the route I would take. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think like 
it's tough. You know, you don't, we don't have access to kind of perfect information. We're not inside the locker room of these teams, you know, talking to players to see how they're feeling. And uh, I do think you can kind of get yourself into trouble by, uh, you know, saying, oh, player X is coming off an injury. Uh, you know, they're going to be in a timeshare or, you know, they're not going to be as efficient as they, you know, have previously been when they're healthy. Um, and I feel like you kind of run the risk of just missing on good opportunity. Um, you know, but it's like, I mean, just like the general principle of modeling, you know, as a whole is like you, by trying to like overfit and fine tune the way you project an outcome, sure, you might, you know, get some players or some instances where you, you know, nail it on the head, but in doing so, you know, you set your system up for misses in other, uh, you know, for other players or for other scenarios. Um, you know, I find kind of trying to find, uh, take like a conservative uh, projection approach will, you know, maybe lead to fewer, like, uh, you know, ac accurately identifying uh, outliers, but you're also going to find yourself missing a lot less on trying to accurately identify the outlier uh, when, you know, the, the players just, you know, should be treated as kind of norm. Um, well, last week's in the books. Now it's time to review the tape and prepare for this week. Of course, it's daily fantasy sports. We don't care about last week. There's no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings, the leader in one-day daily fantasy sports. To add to this week's excitement, DraftKings has a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. They're up for grabs right now. If you haven't tried DraftKings yet, I don't know why you'd be listening to the show. Maybe you're on a different platform and you haven't, you haven't played on DK yet. So head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, pass, and catch means more with DraftKings. It's simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the excitement of watching the game quite like having a shot at millions of dollars in prizes. DraftKings has paid out billions of dollars to winners since 2012. Some of that went to me, right? You want to be like me? So they know a thing or two about cold, hard cash. So download the DraftKings app now and use the code DFF. That's the code DFF. For a limited time, new users can get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes this week. Don't miss out on the week three action. Get Enter code DFF to get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes with your first deposit. It's a minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. You can see DraftKings.com for details. So use the enter the code DFF only on DraftKings. Make it rain. So we want to make it rain with offense this week. Uh, there's quite obviously two target games that are going to be the chalk. But I think there are caveats in that game that we could exploit. So, I mean, it, it, they're by far and away. I mean, we always talk about stacking and targeting the higher total games, the ones that are going to go off shootouts. And uh, the, the Cowboys Seahawks game is currently at 56 and a half. And the Arizona Cardinals and the Lions game is at 55. Uh, that game's gone up two points since open. The other game's gone up one point since open. Uh, the problem is, is that like, it's, it's a, 
it's a 13 game slate and like all the ownership is there. Like Arizona, for instance, like Kyler's chalk at quarterback, Hopkins is chalk at wide receiver, Drake is chalk at running back. And then you see on the other, on the other game, you got Lockett and Metcalf. They're going to be 15 plus percent owned each, obviously paired with Wilson. And then the Cowboys, you have Zeke at over 20% ownership. You're going to see uh, Cooper, Lamb, Gallup, 10 plus percent ownership. So obviously the correlation, I mean, they make sense in, in, independent of the games, but in lineups, like if you're going to play a lineup, that's like, I'm going to play Kyler with Hopkins and then play Lockett and Zeke or something like that. It's like the combined ownership of that lineup is so high that as I always say, I don't mind pieces of the game, but I think the, the, they're so obvious. It's not like one of these slates where like one total is 50, the next one's 48, then 47. And kind of like, like I know that, that Stuart, you do like the, the chances of it being the highest scoring team. I'm going to assume, not knowing, that the Cardinals, the Seahawks, and the Cowboys show up one, two, three, far above more than the other teams. Yeah, and I mean... Um... You know, in previous weeks, we've seen kind of that top team, um, you know, most likely team to top the slate being, you know, not, you know, being, I think, the leader of a kind of close field uh, towards the top, you know, probably like, one, uh, you know, anywhere from three to five different teams that have kind of this eight to 10, eight to 11% chance of topping the slate. Uh, I mean, this week we're projecting Seattle as, you know, 13% chance of, uh, you know, scoring the most points on the slate, Arizona as a, a hair over 12%. And then the next highest uh, team in terms of likelihood to top the slate is actually Indianapolis all the way down at seven and a half percent. So, I mean, there's like this huge gap between, um, you know, really Seattle and Arizona and then, kind of the rest of the field. Um, last week, we kind of talked about being not so much underweight, but just avoiding the obvious pieces as part of that Dallas, um, you know, Dallas in particular, you know, they were projected to be the highest scorer. Um, but it did feel like last week, at least to me, there were more kind of alternative games that could compete closely with, um, you know, Dallas and, you know, some pieces on the Atlanta side, it does feel like that's a little less the case this week. Um, you know, and especially I don't... also with the, with the way that the pricing is, we don't have a Saquon. We don't have a McCaffrey. We don't have Michael Thomas on the slate. Like Hopkins is the highest priced receiver and Zeke is the highest priced running back. Uh, Kyler's under 7k you don't have a Lamar or Mahomes so mm -hmm. like the the pricing is not even that prohibitive a lot of times in when you stack high total games and you look it's like well you're gonna have to spend a lot of salary to do it like on this slate we're gonna have value at running back there's gonna be some value at, at wide receiver that I mean I even think based on the ownership that Jamino has currently I think it's going to pass that. Like we have Hopkins at 19.8 right now. I think it's going to be like 30 to 32% ownership. And I mean, he projects better than everyone else on the slate. I mean, I get it. But I think in terms of 
how could we have these players with a correlation that's going to be less used? So I find it very funny, funky, that Arizona is so chalky while the Lions aren't. Like, yeah. and, and if you're going to play a 3-1 stack or a, a, a correlation back and forth type of game, I mean, yeah, the Lions running backs, you kind of want to avoid because they could run anyone out of three or four guys. But Galladay's at 7.5% coming back from injury. We have Marvin Jones at 2.5%. Uh, I'm trying to scroll down. I mean, Hawkinson, I mean, is barely projected to be owned. He's a little overpriced at 5,300. Uh, and then Stafford's going to be under 5% owned. Why can't I play this game with the the reverse stack and go Stafford and two pass catchers and then then run it back with Drake or run it back with Hopkins. Because if Hopkins has a three touchdown game, like that means Kyler didn't rush the ball in. So maybe I'm not as concerned about Kyler Murray's ceiling. And the same thing with Drake, that if I take Drake and he has three touchdowns rushing, well, that takes away from Kyler's ceiling. So it's not like Stafford has to like, reach Murray's status but if Murray ends up with 25 points and Stafford ends up with 24 points like it's not to me it's not that big of a deal as long as I get the production from both sides of the game out of either Drake or Hopkins and then obviously you got the subsidiary pieces we just got word that uh, Christian Kirk is not going to play so maybe uh, you throw in a Fitz or Isabella or Arnold but I think people are going to do that anyway I mean I think like you're just basically throwing in a punt tight end or a punt wide receiver that may correlate. You may get one touchdown out of them, but if they score 10 points, you could find a cheap receiver in another game. And then once you do that, you're now you're chalky again. So like I'm looking at both of these games, realizing that they're far above all the other games as far as shootout potential. But I just don't want to make lineups that like half of my lineup, 20% of the field has. Yeah. I mean that Arizona, um, game to me, I think, as you suggested, is going to draw a lot of ownership. And, you know, I would guess that that would draw ownership away from pretty much two spots. You discussed one Detroit, um, you know, I think for a while there, like last week, it was looking like the Atlanta side of that Dallas Atlanta game was actually going to be, you know, the good side to be on. So I, I, you know, I do think, uh, you know, in these high total games, there's some merit to, uh, you know, avoiding the more popular favorite in favor of the, uh, you know, less popular underdog. Those guys that you mentioned, I mean, I think I would, I would like to think that Galladay coming back should be a big boost for Stafford. Um, you know, even like a guy like DeAndre Swift has been kind of ascending in terms of his, uh, you know, just time on the field is playing more snaps than anyone else in that uh, offense, you know, Adrian Peter uh, in, in that backfield rather. Um, and, you know, he's going to be kind of that prototypical pass catching back for Detroit. Um, you know, I think that would be a, a kind of a, a, a deeper, deeper play, but, um, yeah, I think there's interesting pieces on the Detroit side. I do wonder, I mean, if, if Arizona is going to be so popular, I think we kind of had this in week one where a lot of people were gravitating towards, you know, like Brady and Tampa, and that took ownership away from, you know, a guy like Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore pieces or, um, I forget who else. There's one other kind of like high implied total game that just went a little under owned relative to, you know, just how likely it was to be kind of the top scoring team on Slayton. You know, I do wonder if uh, the popularity of Arizona is going to take away from ownership on Seattle. Um, 
you know, Russ is priced up a little bit over uh, Murray, but his receiving pieces are, you know, cheaper than uh, the Arizona side. And, uh, you know, that, I mean, that still is the top total on the game, uh, top total game on the slate. Um, you know, to me, that would be a spot I'd be interested in being kind of overweight on, um, you know, figuring that per dollar, like Seattle, I think has just as good, if not better of a chance than the Arizona pieces to, you know, be kind of the, the winning combination. Um, so I think being, rather than being on Arizona, you know, my, my strategy might be to be on either side of Arizona, you know, either be kind of above them in terms of implied total with Seattle guys. Um, last year, you know, we discussed uh, when Brandon was on the show, how like the Seattle pieces are just really well correlated, you know, rust his receivers, uh, obviously, and, you know, Metcalf and Lockett actually correlate pretty well with one another. Uh, to me, that feels like a pretty stackable team, um, you know, in a, in, a, in a really interesting spot if, you know, Arizona and Kyler are going to be so, so chalky. Uh, you know, I think that could be a good place to go. Well, I think that if I do a Seattle stack, like I think you utilizing the negative correlation in both games, like what I did last week by going under on the Cowboys passing game, but playing a lot of Zeke. Mm-hmm. I think doing the same with Arizona that in, in lineups that you don't have Kyler or Hopkins use Drake. Yeah. If, if Drake gets into the end zone, he's taking away points from both of them. So you're going to, you're going to gain leverage over any Cardinal stacks. Uh, but obviously if Drake's going to be popular also. So that's like, to me, that's the conundrum of if I play a Seattle stack, let's say a Wilson with Lockett and Metcalf, you can even throw in like a Greg Olson in there if you want. I mean, the main targets are going to be uh, Lockett and Metcalf uh, that you play Drake in that lineup, but now you're, you're still a chalky lineup. Now you, at that point, you need to find a receiver that's like Drake and Marvin Jones Jr. Like if Marvin Jones is going to be 2% owned. At least he's kind of correlated to the other side of the game from Drake and going to be 2%. And then on the Seattle side, if you're going to stack Seattle, maybe you take Michael Gallup instead of Lamb or Cooper because he's going to be the lowest owned out of the three Cowboys receivers. And then your flex could be some low owned 5%, you know, running back or something like that. And now, now you have enough leverage. Now, now you're good. Uh, I just think that like, if you're going to play that lineup, you're not playing Miles Sanders in that lineup. You're not probably not playing Jonathan Taylor in that lineup. It just the lineup becomes just, you're not going to win it. You're not going to win the Millie that way. I mean, just, it's just too high owned in total. So like my conundrum this week is how do I build my stacks because I know how to build my stacks that aren't this game. Because once I build the stack that aren't either of these two games, like I don't care about the rest of my lineup. I mean, it could be chalky. It doesn't matter. Those stacks are going to be so uh, much more lower owned. It's how to build lineups using these two games while still being different enough in large field contests. If you're doing small field, if you're playing the spy or something for thousand entries, you don't have to put say MJJ against Drake at two percent. You're good. Like it doesn't matter. Then then you're fine. But in these large field contests, I want to be using lineup HQ, which you can get if you're if you're a core four premium member. Use RotoGrinders.com/media/asa. The link is in the description in the YouTube video, and uh, and click and you get five dollars off your first month of a core four premium. Roto Grinder subscription. That's NFL, NBA, MLB, uh, PGA, tons of content. So go check that out. So 
Stewart, do, don't you think that like, because these two games are obviously much higher, obviously they get bust. If both of them bust, you're going to kill a lot of lineups in the contests. But yeah. I just, I just think that the, the, the core facet of if I'm playing a hundred lineups on Sunday and let's say I'm playing 20, 30 that involve stacks of these games, I need to be very cognizant of how I build those lines. Yeah. I mean, you need to be cognizant of, yeah, the players you're selecting in that game and also making sure that, you know, if, if you are owning kind of chalky to, you know, uh, middling, I guess, kind of in popularity piece in this game, you know, getting, getting different elsewhere. Cause you know, this, this game, these two games will be pretty popular. So you mentioned Elliot, you mentioned Drake as good kind of negatively correlated pieces to, you know, prototypical stack for those games. Um, right. Carson also, if you want to do that on that side with the Seahawks. I was going to say, so yes, for Seattle, Carson, I mean, is there anyone on Detroit that you think makes sense as, I mean, I, I think they will easily be the least popular of kind of these four teams, but if you did want to build like, I don't know, I guess maybe through air, like, I don't know, are there any kind of like negatively core, you know, pieces on the Detroit side you like as, you know, being able to get there while either the game as a whole doesn't get there or the Detroit, uh, you know, offense as a whole doesn't get there. I mean, do you consider building, I mean, I still think like Arizona kind of onslaught builds without bringing any Detroit back will be fairly popular. Um, Right. Well, that's why I'm looking to, to include uh, like a, a Marvin Jones. Okay. In those types of lines. I think Galileo will come back. He'll get, I mean, he's going to be low enough owned as it is 7%, but I mean, we've seen, we've seen it before that when Marvin Jones is the number one wide receiver, he really doesn't, he's really not the number one wide receiver. He works better when Galladay is out there drawing coverage. And then he, he's, he's in the back of the end zone. And, you know, we've seen games where Marvin Jones has, you know, six catches, 80 yards and three touchdowns. And because my attitude is, is that if you're going to play the Arizona side of the game, if, like you might as well play to the Detroit side of the game because you're going to need so many points with them being so chalky. If the Cardinals only put up 24 points on, on, on Sunday, I don't think the stack gets there. I mean, and the only way that then the Detroit has to keep stay in the game. So like you're either using Drake or you're using the passing attack. And if you're using the passing attack, like throwing in Galladay or, or, or Marvin Jones will do enough ownership wise. And that's why the same thing in the other, in the other game, if, if you're going to use uh, Wilson Lockett and Metcalf, like you got, you, the only way that both of those guys get there is the game has to go back and forth. So you might as well take Amari Cooper and take one of the wide receivers. Zeke is a bit expensive, you know, for that kind of run back. I'm more likely in these games to use the running backs as one-offs in other lineups as the negative correlation to these games and then, or not use the running backs at all in these games. And you mentioned another, another game. You said the third highest are the Colts. Yeah. They're playing the jets. (laughs) Uh, The jets are free. I don't know if, if they're good free. I don't think they have ceilings, but like they have the lowest implied total. Like the Colts only have a high total because they're playing the Jets. Do you really think that, I mean, I know that T.Y. Hilton's grandma called him out 
uh, <laughs> saying that he hasn't he hasn't seen her grandson on TV the way he plays. Like, do you really see this game as the most probable outcome? I know they're like eleven point favorites. That it it's high pace enough with the Jets keep up that like I could see playing Taylor by himself and that's it. Like, okay, great. But like stacking rivers and Hilton, like, and then running it back with who with the, you try Herndon again. You, I mean, I, it, it's one of those things where I, I can't, how do I, how do I occupy four or five spots on my roster with this game? Yeah. And no, I mean, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. The really both teams, I think have good kind of, uh, floor median like outcomes, but really both sides, maybe Taylor being the lone exception, there's really not a ton of ceiling uh, to them. I mean, I don't know. I, you're going to have a hard time talking me into Jets guys, no matter how cheap they are. Um, God, I mean, this. No this, Braxton Berrios for you? I mean, like, look, on, on paper and for cheap, as cheap as these guys are, you know, it seems fine. But, uh, you know, we've seen this offense time and time again, you know, be cheap and just really not show any ability to, you know, keep up or kind of push their opponents um, in, in a way that, and, and I think, you know, Indianapolis isn't a team that if they're not pushed, they're going like, if there, if there's no need to, they're going to be slow. They're going to run the ball a lot. You know, they're going to take kind of short, uh, you know, short passes. Like I, I, I just have a hard time seeing this game really blowing up in a big way. Um, yeah, with Rivers as the quarterback now, if this was Andrew Luck, maybe you have a different opinion. But I think with the coaching staff with Rivers, like unless the Jets keep up, I don't. I see the Colts. I see Jonathan Taylor possibly having thirty carries this game. Yeah, um, I mean, to me, that that's kind of the the spot to look. It's just you know, if, if you're going with some of those other pieces from the two big games up top, um, I just, you know, it's going to be hard to also stomach playing a guy as popular as Taylor. Um, you know, to me, like a game with a similar total that just has two teams that are, in my opinion, far more likely to produce kind you know, over, you know, exceed their kind of total and just game script. It'd be like Cleveland or Washington. Um, you know, oh, so so that, that's a 45 total. I, that that's one of the games that I'm not on. I thought you were going to mention some other game. So let's talk, let's talk, let's talk about that. Washington, Cleveland. Like I look at this game as like, I, I can't see stacking the game. I can see correlating the game. I can see playing uh, McLaurin on one side and Chubb on the other, but then of course you got Kareem hunt there. I think the running back value on the slate, like why do I want to pay a 6,900 Nick Chubb? Of course, that means he's lower owned, but like, I don't see this. I don't, do you see this game turning into a shootout? No, but I, I think it's more likely to, you know, play kind of paced up than Indianapolis versus the Jets. Um, like Cleveland's got a similar, uh, I guess, implied total to uh, Indianapolis and you know Washington's up a little bit on the Jets. And I just, uh, I think for me, like, even though it's a super low total, Washington has more pieces that, you know, can, can kind of cause the game to pace up, uh, you know, with McLaurin, uh, you know, with Gibson, with tight end Thomas. Um, yeah. But the, the, the point that I'm making is that I'm on board with the individual plays like one, one secondary correlations. 
I could see playing Logan Thomas on one side and, and OBJ on the other side. I could see playing, you know, I could doing that, but I just don't see myself building stacks with Baker Mayfield or Dwayne Haskins. Look, I'm not saying it's a, a like spot I'm prioritizing. I'm just saying it is to me, looks like kind of a comparable, uh, you know, game total and uh, you know, projected non-competitive game to Indianapolis, New York. Um I don't know. To me, I, I don't see like either of them as being particularly strong places to look towards stacking. Are you? But you're saying you kind of like the Indianapolis, uh, you know, as a stacking option. No, or? no. I was, I, I, I was trying to make the point that the Jets could project. If you, if you look at lineup builders, optimizers, that with Perriman out and Crowder out and Bell out, all these guys are under 4K. Uh, like I'm known for the vomit stacks. It's just the, the the context of these slates now, when no one you have no one to pay up for, that you don't have guys that in the nine K rate you don't have Michael Thomas and you're jamming in people that have thirty plus point ceilings. I look at this and I go, like Berrios, if he if he if he puts up sixteen, it's like that's a that's that's good for his price. But will it win you a large field GPP? Probably not. If you stack Sam Darnold and Berrios and Hogan or something or Herndon and you run it back with Taylor, like, and the Jets score 21 points, which is five points above their implied total. Like, I just, I, they just don't have a ceiling. I mean, I just like, I'm not going to get 20 plus points out of every slot. Like, I can't, like, I just don't see that. It's just a matter of if the Colts are going to blow out the Jets, like, is it like, I'm looking at, instead of using Taylor, using Hilton. It's like that, like, Pivoting off because Taylor's going to be popular. The Colts are, based on your model, third highest scoring team. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of like, like running it back with anyone on the Jets just seems like, how am I getting a ceiling in that outcome? Like unless the unless the Jets just wake up and they score thirty points. But Adam Gase should have been fired two years ago, and it ain't going to happen. Yeah, no, it it, it does feel pretty unlikely. Um... At this point, um, right. The game, the, the, the game that I, okay, here, there, there are two games that I'm interested in higher totals mm-hmm. than, than the Washington Browns one. Uh, no, there's a couple more. There's the two, two main games that I'm interested in at least. And then one game that puzzles me. We'll go over the two one that I'm interested in. First one, maybe the easier one to talk about is the Falcons bears game. 47 total. From my perspective, if that game goes off, like the Bears have very condensed, like you got Trubisky, Allen Robinson, and like, you don't, do I need a third piece? Maybe I throw in a Jimmy Graham, maybe he catches two touchdowns, but I don't know. And then the Falcons, like you could play any one of their wide receivers as a run back, or you could play Ryan with two of their receivers and then play Allen Robinson on the other side. I just look at this game with the Falcons defense being fairly poor and, uh, 47 total in Atlanta, in the dome, right? Kari loves those domes that, you know, it's a three point spread. Like I could identify, I'm not taking secondary pieces in this game. I could just identify who's going to get all the production and just take them and hope they outscore the two big total games or like the Seattle Dallas game becomes a game where it gets spread out so much that none of their individual pieces have like, a, they all get 18 points and it's like, okay, the stack didn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. You kind of saw that happen like on Thursday night with Miami. I mean, what they got to what 30 something points. 
yet like none of their guys got there because it just was, you know, Kasicki catches the touchdown, uh, yeah, Williams catches the touchdown. So, so spread out. Um, yeah, I, I think I agree with you. Like if this game is going to, you know, be fodder for a tournament winning lineup, it's, you know, Chicago's going to have to kind of keep up, you know, their end of the uh, total. And, and, and I mean, exceed it, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Trubisky is a guy, you know, I'd probably, uh, you know, burn money on just about every week. Um, and, you know, it, it always, I mean, God, it always looks good, like on paper and just doesn't seem to work out. But um, at least in my experience, but I know he actually won a couple millionaire makers. I think, was it last year or two years ago? Yeah, he's won three millie makers. It, 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 it works every time. It works 60% of the time, not gift type of thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I agree, you know, Chicago is, is quite condensed. Like Robinson seems like a guy that super trustworthy, um, you know, is just going to have, uh, you know, 25 to 35% of, you know, Chicago targets. Um, you know, Anthony Miller is, he, he's kind of hot and cold. Like there's times where he's just super involved in the offense. And really so far this year, his involvement has left a little bit to be desired. So might be a spot to just kind of go skinny with like Trubisky Robinson and some, you know, an Atlanta piece um, and then get some of the pieces like you mentioned in that, um, you know, those two high total games. Uh, yeah. I mean, Atlanta's got, I, I, I think of Atlanta as being kind of not condensed. It's, uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, whack-a-mole at times, but um, you know, I think Julio always is a, you know, has a super high ceiling, uh, super low floor, I mean, Ridley's looked awesome this year. Uh, you know, Hayden Hurst is a guy I think that, um, you know, we've kind of been waiting on to, you know, see, uh, you know, him take on a role closer to what Austin Hooper had last year than, you know, Hurst's role with Baltimore. And, you know, last week was a good step in that direction. And, uh, you know, Russell Gage, I think it would be like a really nice piece to add. Uh, maybe not going up against the Chicago stack, but if you wanted to stack the Atlanta side going like, um, you know, two of uh, pretty much never going two of Julio doing like, uh, you know, max like one of Julio Ridley, uh, but always, you know, at least two of Ridley, Julio, Gage, maybe Hurst, um, you know, something like that, you know, get some like Ridley Gage, Julio Gage, uh, you know, Ridley Hurst Gage, Julio Hurst Gage. Uh, I mean, three, I think would be a bit excessive just given the game total, but you know, something like that, just kind of, and, you know, you can do just like a lot of, I think, positive EV kind of combinations with that Atlanta team, um, it, you know, and, and obviously some of those combos are going to flunk uh, this week, but there's, I think, good opportunity for just about all of them uh, to, you know, kind of hit value uh, in, in a big way and, you know, maybe maybe win a tournament, so um Right, and the, and these guys will come in lower owned just based on the fact that Hopkins at similar at that seven plus K price is going to soak up on all of the ownership or much of it at that range. So it's like it's a leverage spot because who's going to play Julio after last week, right? With the hamstring yeah. injury and everything, I mean, like he's he, we have him projected at eight percent owned, and you know if Julio put up forty points, you're not surprised. Yeah, one mistake I probably will not. Well, I mean, one mistake I'm going to try not to make with the Chicago side is uh, I, I kind of am a sucker for Tariq Cohen, and he's been his role has kind of been decreasing in a big way for Chicago this year. So 
going to make a point to not uh, go too, uh, you know, happy on Trico. And uh, that, that seems like it's been a letdown spot so far this year and one to avoid for, for sure. Um, okay. So the other game that I'm interested in, 47 and a half total, Bengals at Eagles. Oh, this was not the game I thought you were going to go with. Oh, it wasn't. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk Bengals. Eagles. Okay. So Miles Sanders is uber chalk, 35% owned. He's underpriced on DraftKings, 6,400. Uh, unless Doug Peterson does something funny and, you know, Boston Scott's in there and Corey Clement's taking snaps. But we saw last week that essentially he's, he's kind of the bell cow. The thing that's interesting is that the game has a 47 plus total. Sanders is projected to be 35% owned and no one else in this game is projected to be more than like 5% owned. So I'm looking at this going like I could play chalk Sanders in a reverse stack, or I could play a leverage stack against chalk Sanders. Like I look at the leverage opportunities. Let's say everyone plays Sanders and the Eagles get there through the air. And of course, Sanders could get there through the air also. Like Wentz, Goddard, Jackson. Wentz, Ertz, Jackson. Because Rager's out. And mm. Sanders doesn't get there. I mean, Sanders gets 12 points. I mean, it's not like he's getting nothing. But he like he doesn't hit a ceiling. And the passing game hits the ceiling. Uh, and then you could... And then Bengals have runbacks. Or you just play Sanders, Chuck Sanders, and you play Joe Burrow. A.J. Green... Who, who has a million air yards because they just they just ch- chuck to try to jam it into him uh, is two point five percent projected owned. Uh, Tyler Boyd is not even the, not even in the projection ownership projections. Mixon is five percent. Like, why can't I play Sanders and then just play a double stack of Burrow or a single or skinny stack? And so I could play Sanders and get the correlated piece to if the game goes off, or I play the leverage version of. Don't play Sanders, but play Deshaun Jackson and play Carson Wentz and that type of thing. I look at that I, from the ownership perspective. Like we have one high owned piece of the game and we have two ways to get different while still using it. Yeah, uh, no, that seems reasonable to me. I mean, our, our models are pretty favorable towards Wentz and Jackson um, and then Goddard and Ertz, uh, you know, in the absence of Rieger, uh, could, could, it could really just be like the tight end show for Philadelphia. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, I think the, the Cincinnati side, like you mentioned, like AJ green has, he does have all those air yards and just hasn't converted on them. Uh, so I, you know, I think it's still worth, uh, you know, trying to hope that he catches a couple of those and, you know, maybe converts at an above average, uh, rate this week. Um, and, you know, we saw that Cincinnati offense, I think, uh, more so than they had last year, you know, an ability to, uh, you know, kind of get behind, but continue to keep game, you know, keep games close and, uh, you know, push, push the opposition, uh, at least in that, that, uh, you know, week, week two, uh, game against Cleveland. Um, yeah, I think, um, seems like, seems like a decent spot. And yeah, I mean, Sanders, I think will be. Uh, yeah, Uber chalk, I, I think, at least to me, seems like pretty good chalk. Um, but uh, yeah, if you, uh, you know, I, yeah, I guess probably worth taking some lineups uh, and, you know, pretty much playing the exact opposite of Miles Sanders uh, to get leverage, you know, on. Right, because 
Right, because in that type of game, let's say I don't play Sanders. It removes 35% ownership from my lineup. I play the Eagle stack of Wentz, Goddard, you know, one of the tight ends and Deshaun Jackson, run it back with AJ Green. I can put DeAndre Hopkins in that lineup. I can play Chalk Hopkins because I'm not playing Chalk Sanders. So I'm yeah. like, oh, I could play the Dallas, the, the pieces of the Seattle Dallas game. So like I'm looking of ways, like I don't want to play Miles Sanders in my Cardinals uh, Seahawks Cowboys lineup. So it's like, how do I still play this game and get leverage off of the people that are playing Sanders? Yeah. So what game did you think I was going to talk about? I thought you were going to go New England, uh, Las Vegas. Okay. Oh, I want to go there too. Okay. That's not but, the game I'm flummoxed by. So, so we, right. uh, we just got word that Henry Ruggs will be out on Sunday. Okay. But we'll, so, quick, real quick, just on the Philly side. So, you know, let's say we wanted to build for, you know, a Sanders fade. To me, like the game script that most aligns with kind of that outcome would be Cincinnati actually playing from ahead and Philly playing catch up. Or do you think like Sanders, I guess, is a di- pretty dynamic pass catch? Right. Okay. Okay. Never mind. I think it's more of the fact that like Sanders doesn't, maybe the game shoots out, Sanders doesn't get there. He still gets 50 yards rushing and four catches out of the backfield, but doesn't find the end zone. It's a long Deshaun Jackson, 100 yard game and like two touchdowns to the tight ends. Like it's not like Sanders does bad. It's just that he, he doesn't score more than 20 points, which at 35% ownership, you're going to need. I mean, do you see a guy like Joe Mixon being kind of a viable, like negatively correlated, you know, anti-Sanders play? Like if Mixon gets there, it's because he's, you know, running the ball 20 plus times, you know, for over 100 yards and a touchdown or two. Like that would, I think it works better not as like a piece that is part of a Cincinnati Philly stack, but more just like, like Mixon, I think would be an interesting guy with those two pot, you know, if you wanted to stack up like Seattle or Arizona and say like, all right, well, I'm pretty chalky there. So let me get like the one guy who probably has the most negative court, you know, you would guess has kind of the most, uh, you know, leverage against Sanders. Uh, I would guess Mixon and Sanders are probably similarly priced. Maybe mix. Yeah. Yeah. No, 500 difference. No, I get what you're saying to me. Mixon is good as a one-off. I just think that it's more likely if Mixon has a big game, the game did not shoot out. Correct. Correct. Right. So that's why like, I'm not, I'm less inclined to play Wentz plus Jackson plus one of the tight ends and then have Mixon as the run back. Cause I just, I just, yeah. I think that game goes under in that case. For sure. Okay. Gotcha. So Mixon, good. Yeah. Individual one-off of the game. You don't have anyone else in the game. Like you play Mixon and no one else in the game. Yep. All right. That makes sense. Okay, so now uh, you, you wanted to talk about the, the uh, which is fine with me, Patriots Raiders, games of 47 total. Uh, the line just moved towards the Raiders, but I don't know how that's going to be with, with rugs now out. Uh, I'm, assuming, I'm assuming you're looking at Cam Newton 100 cheaper than Kyler Murray going that he has as much rushing upside and touchdown equity that he could outscore Kyler. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just interested also like, is Cam going to keep rushing at this rate? Like to me, that doesn't feel sustainable really for him and kind of just, I mean, I don't, I don't know. We've never really seen how Belichick runs an offense with a quarterback that can run, but like, I mean, some of the volume numbers that guys like Edelman and Nikhil Harry are getting are, you know, 
like they're getting really large and kind of condensed shares of their team's targets, but just because Newton is running the ball so much, there hasn't been like a whole lot of, um, you know, receiving goodness to go around, but I do. Well, Edelman had 179 yards last week. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I guess. But like, no, yeah, you're, you're right. Um, he would eight for 179 and a touchdown. That's a ceiling. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Okay. So then, you know, why, why can't, uh, you know, why doesn't like a Newton Edelman or Newton Harry, um, you know, Waller stack, does something like that seem appealing or? Yeah, no, that's, it makes sense. That's to me, that's the easiest one to do. It's so obvious on who you'd stack. And then if you wanted to, if James White doesn't play, people don't realize that Burkhead was on the field like 70 plus percent of the time yep. that like at 4K or whatever he is, like I don't mind playing Burkhead by himself. Probably don't play him with Cam uh, for him to hit a ceiling. But like to me, the plays are obvious because now with rugs out, like the, the problem that that I see, because you have to think it's the Patriots are the only team that I sometimes try to outthink mm-hmm. what Belichick's going to do. Because the whole narrative is that Belichick's goal is to take away your best option. So now Ruggs is gone and he wasn't the best. Waller's the best option. But are are they going to put Gilmore on Waller? I mean, like, I, I, I don't see that. Like, who... Who's catching the ball for the Raiders? Like, what's going to happen? Are you going to have, what, Edwards and Renfro? Renfro they can't get past. They're not going to play Gilmore and Renfro. He doesn't – he can barely run. So, like, like who's – Aguilar? Is, I guess Aguilar is the, the – I. to me, it's just – it's hard to see how the Raiders stretch the field in this game. So, yeah. like, to me, from a shootout perspective, I think this is – I like it because it's 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 condensed. It's very similar to like the Bears. And I'm Trubisky, Robinson, I'm good. Like I could do Cam, Harry, Edelman, I'm good. Waller on the other side, very obvious. It's just that I'm I'm a little bit more concerned about we have two games that have 55 totals, and I I look at this game and go, how does how does how does Carr turn this into a shootout? Like like how does how does Jacobs turn this into like how does how does this game them going to the East Coast for an early game like how like that's that's my problem it's like I like the pieces but it's hard for me to envision how this game goes over. Got it. Okay. Um, does that make sense at least? Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, I think I kind of just fall in love with some of these uh, you know target share numbers that like Edelman and. Harry were putting up and it's all, it's all really appealing, uh, you know, at the price tags that they're at. Um, I so would play them as individual pieces. I mean, I don't mind. I'll still have them in my player pool. Maybe I still do play some, you can play with no one running back on the, on the Raiders. Maybe they spread it around so much that, that, you know, the Patriots score 31 points. It's a game's 31 to 10, but you know, Cam has 30 points on, you know, one rushing touchdown, three passing touchdowns. Harry has a touchdown and Edelman has 120 yards and you don't need a run back because mm-hmm. oh. Waller's expensive at tight end. So like he, if he doesn't get there, like, like how do they, how do they shoot this out? Is Brian Edwards going to, going to catch nine passes? I mean, like, like, are they just going to run Jacobs 25 times? Like that's not that they're going to run out the clock that way. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, yes. Yeah, so to think about maybe this more as a, you know, 
compelling pieces. Um, but all right. Uh, uh, the game that I'm flummoxed. Can, can, can we go over the game that I'm flummoxed by? Sure. Flummoxed. <laughs> uh, it's the game that has the highest total movement of the week. It's it's open. It opened at 45 and a half. It is now up to 49 and a half. Jeez. Four points to the over. It is Titans Vikings. Titans with a 26 implied total. Vikings with a 23 and a half implied total in a dome, just for the Curry shout out. Uh, AJ Brown has been ruled out. The Vikings, like, talk about con condensed. It's essentially Cook and Thielen. And the Titans, talk about condensed. It's essentially Henry. And maybe you throw in a Corey Davis or a Humphreys or a Smith or something. This is a 49 and a half total in a dome. The ownership on this game, uh, I could go here. Let's go to Jimino's ownership on this game. I scroll, scroll, where do I find it? It's, it's that low. So I have to, I have to scroll here. Uh, Henry, 17%. Thielen, 15. John o. Smith, 14. Everyone else, single digits. Like, th this is the game I'm flummoxed by. Because if you, 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 if you pictured Titans, Vikings, like from just your historic whatever, past three years you'd go this is the slowest game on the slate yeah why is it a 49 and a half total so like that's what flummoxes me because it's so condensed if it's four it, this is the third highest total on the slate and it has lower ownership people were burned by henry last week like why aren't i stacking this game it feels like i shouldn't that, that's the point Stewart. tell me what tell me it, the numbers the, the, the total says i should but I, I, you look at Titans-Vikings and go, there's going to be 40 plays in this game. Then how does it get to 50 points? Yeah, I don't know. And especially like with A.J. Brown being out, he, to me, seems like one of the kind of guys that could really speed the game up. But, you know, without him, yeah, I mean. Oh, you're flummoxed too. I see it on your face. How is it? Why was this bet up four points? Yeah, I don't know. Because um, because it's look at, like this may sound disgusting. Hey, I said David Montgomery was disgusting last week and he got there. So maybe <laughs> the disgusting play, this sounds disgusting based on how, how he's been. Why aren't I playing Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen and Der Derrick Henry and Corey Davis and run a 2-2 a stack? I get all the rushing and I get Corey Davis at 5,200 and... There you go. And I, I, it's one of the few times that I'll run a two, two, but like that could literally be all the production and cousins could get 300 yards. He spreads the ball around and Thielen's sitting there with nine catches, 150 yards and two touchdowns. And you have BC Johnson gets one cook runs one in, but he doesn't make his salary at 7,600. Like, like who else in this game are you playing? Like I, I like it, it just boggles my mind because of the ownership. It's a 50 total. And there's only a couple of players. And I don't have to guess. Like, I know where to go in this game. Yeah, I mean, the, it would seem to be kind of one of the ultimate, like, uh, you know, trust the trust the Vegas numbers because, yeah, I mean, you just look at the two teams, uh, both their playing kind of style and pace as well as, um, you know, I think both defenses are, you know, decent enough defenses. Um, well, the Vikings have been horrible. Maybe that's why the line's going up. Like, what is it? What does your model say? What? What? How do the Titans with a twenty-six implied total 
Titans and Vikings show up as far as like the mo- the likelihood of them being the top scoring team? Um, yeah, I can pull it up real quick. Uh, let's see. I just updated this not that long before the show. So I would hope that unless it's, you know, a lot of that movement has come super, uh, recently. No, I checked this yesterday. It was, it was at 49 and a half yesterday. Yeah. So I have the Titans as about five and a half percent chance of being the highest scoring team on the slate. That's uh one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh, uh, on the slate between, you know, Philadelphia and Cleveland. Um, but yeah, I mean, not like that, that far behind, I mean, not hardly at all behind Dallas as far as, you know, likelihood to, you know, be the top scoring team, um, you know, ahead of teams like Atlanta, which we've discussed, uh, Tampa Bay has been kind of a popular team, uh, so far. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know, would, would you, you just go Derek Henry and just assume that, you know, he's gonna, you know, just run, gonna run him over. Just gonna just one of those Derrick Henry games. We get those Derrick Henry. We get those 160 yards and three touchdown games. Yeah, and then yeah, bring back like Cousins and Thielen. Right. Um, yeah, but see, the problem is that in when you think of that game script, you think of if Henry gets 28 touches, how does this game reach 50 points? But like, the game has gone up. It's it's not like the game opened and went down. Like the game has been bet up four points, and you don't seem to understand why, and I don't seem to understand why. It seems like the DFS industry doesn't understand why. I've listened to tons of shows. No one is talking about this game. I mean, people are talking about like maybe you go back to Henry because uh, you know because he burned you last week, but no one talking about stacking Tannehill. No, no, I don't think Kirk Cousins has been mentioned in a single piece of content in the entire, based on last week. But the way that we talk on this show is that we take away those biases, right? We want to take away the bias out of our model. And we show over the long period that the higher total games correlate to stacking success in DFS. That's why we're not talking about the Giants 49ers game. I'm sorry if you came for this. It's a 41 total and it's garbage. So we're not going to talk about it. So I have to mention you. You brought up the the the, the Washington uh, Browns game at forty five, and you're like, okay, maybe I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at Titans Vikings going. What 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 do they know that I don't? Because I can't. Cousins Thielen Henry sounds like a game that's seventeen to fourteen, right? It, it it seems like that's why I that's why adding Davis like Henry gets there with a hundred yards and two touchdowns. First price is fine, but Davis also has a hundred yards receiving and a touchdown and cousins throws 150 yards to deal in the two touchdowns. And then some secondary Kyle Rudolph here and Dalvin cook dump offs or whatever like that. To me, that's the way it goes over because like cousins steal and Davis, like how does Derrick Henry see none of this? How does like, how does it get the 50 points? I'm going to say it again. Like I've just, I've like, Khalif Raymond? I mean, like, how does this get to 50 points? I mean, Henry is, I think, a rare running back with his uh, – and I don't know if it's just noise or, you know, he has this special big playability, but he does feel like one of the few running backs that can, like – Just a 90-yard rush and, like, it opens up the game completely. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, Minnesota is going to be pretty run-heavy if given the opportunity to really get them going. I think they're going to have to fall in a pretty big and pretty early uh, 
you know, deficit. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird game. I wasn't even one that was kind of on my radar. Uh, but. It shouldn't be on your radar. It doesn't make any sense to be on your radar. But I, I can't argue with the number, right, Stuart? Right, me and you? We can't. It's a 49. It's the third highest total on the slate. And I'm just sitting there going, why? Yeah. A lot of people in the industry are talking about uh, Rams bills. 46 and a half total has gone up one and a half. Uh, the problem I find in this game is like, yes, Allen and Diggs make sense. I get it. Uh, Zach Moss is out. So Singletary's more in play. He's going to be a, a fairly popular at 4,900. The problem is, as with always with the Rams, is like people are saying that Woods is going to be covered by, you know, it's going to get shadow coverage and then Cooper, it opens up Cooper Cup. I just, I just, I see how this game becomes a shootout. I just, in comparison to the, I mean, it's not like they're going to be high owned. It's like, it's only a 46 and a half total. And if it's the weird thing, if you told me that the Rams bills had the same total as the Titans Vikings, I'd believe you, but it's not, it's a three point difference. So do you see anything on your end when it comes to the highest scoring game team with the bills and the Rams? Cause I, I think I'm more likely to be under this game than over. Yeah, no, ne- neither team is showing up as you know super likely to you know, put up the top uh, score on the slate. And um, yeah, I mean, the Rams offense is like, I mean, it's convinced kind of around three guys, but it's pretty evenly split and kind of variable week over week between, you know, Woods, Cup and Higby. Um, yeah, to me, I mean, this game isn't garnering much interest from a uh, – tournament standpoint you know i think singletary is a compelling uh you know single piece or uh you know cash game play but um i don't know for the most part uh this one this isn't a game that's been on my radar in a big way um would you say the same for the steelers texans um what in that it's not a compelling tournament game right i mean because i mean obviously fuller's healthy like I, I just don't see rostering Watson and Fuller. Yeah. And I don't like I don't see double stacking like Juju and Johnson or something. Like I can see the Steelers putting up points in this game, but I think this is the game where I'm more likely to roster Connor and David Johnson than the receivers. In a yeah, season. yeah, actually a pretty similar uh, I think yeah game in terms of not a whole lot of tournament uh, intrigue, but yeah, I think Connor is an interesting uh, you know one-off piece, uh, Johnson as well. Uh, you know, both guys can get there on the ground or through the air. Uh, yeah. I think, I think we're generally, uh, aligned with kind of. Okay. So everything else have, has a lower than 45 total. Is there any pieces of any of the other games or you think the line's bad and we should be stacking? Cause I like, I look at Tampa and go with Godwin back and they're both being high price receivers. Like, like I can't see playing anyone on Tampa. I mean, no one else can either. But like, I take a look at Tampa Bay. But this Broncos team is as is Judy's questionable. Sutton's out for the year. They have Dres- Driscoll throwing the ball. Uh, Hamler is three K and cheap. Uh, and Bucks traditionally you could throw on and not necessarily run on. So Gordon maybe is not as much of a play. Just like, but the stack I can't. I mean it's quite possible I have none of this game. Yeah, uh, really, I mean, just cheap Denver receivers, uh, 
are, I think, kind of the most interesting pieces. But from a stacking standpoint, yeah, not really. Uh, Los Angeles, Carolina, I don't really love as like a, a game to stack, but I do think there's some pretty interesting pieces. I mean, with no McCaffrey, uh, like DJ Moore has quietly, you know, been getting just a ton of volume his way. And, you know, Robbie Anderson's been kind of the one converting on, you know, his sub more volume. So like, you know, I do think going uh, with like a DJ Moore as kind of a single piece, um, Carolina is a team that's super gettable on the ground. So, you know, going with Eckler or Kelly, um, you know, doing some sort of like mini, maybe like Eckler more uh, stack, like could be viable, but as kind of a game that, you know, want like to full stack. I don't really see this game being of much interest. Right. I see having zero of this game completely. Gotcha. Like Eckler, to me, Eckler and Kelly, Eckler's what, 6,800? With the amount, look, look at the running backs we have on the slate. Drake is 6,000. Sanders is 6,400. Connor is cheaper. Uh, Singletary's in play. Uh, uh, Mike Davis on the other side at 50 with cheap. I mean, like, why am I paying $6,800 for a guy that's splitting carries? Well, it's against the worst pass, rushing defense. Who cares at this point? He's $6,800. I need, I need him to be, I need him to get 80% target. I need him 80% of the rushes and 15 plus percent of the target share, which I guess could happen, but it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, the Panthers have a bad run defense, but they're going to run two running backs at them. So that, that, no, that's fair. That, that makes sense. Um, right. So like to me, and then when you stack and it's like, who do I, like, what am I stacking? If anything, I'd, I'm more likely to take a shot on like a Allen or a Williams in the game and just as a one-off or do or stack it that way. Do a DJ Moore, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, you know, some type of one-one like that. I could see that. But as far as cheap running backs, what is your take on how the uh, backfield of the 49ers is going to play out? Because Jarek McKinnon, I mean, with Mostert and uh, Coleman out, like Miss. McKinnon is projected well, but you know, Wilson's there also. So it's, I mean, in the, in that cheap running back range, do you prefer McKinnon Davis or Singletary? Like that's, that's kind of like the three cheap guys that are being thrust into new role. I mean, Singletary is not a new role, just that Moss isn't there anymore. So you don't have to worry about him. Uh, I think, I think the, the McKinnon situation is the highest variance if McKinnon, if McKinnon gets 80% of snaps, he crushes in the spot at that price. The, the problem is, is that he may just stay in the same role that he had. And like, he's not really worth nine. He's 4,900. Okay, great. Against the Giants. Then, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned all those guys. I mean, we have them projected median wise I and mean, super, super close together. Um, and I don't know. To me, we, we saw, well, I don't know. I'm not that familiar with Mike Davis. I know he got, um, you know, his pretty effective pass catcher and relief duty last week, but with Seattle historically, like he wasn't really uh, super involved in the pass game. Correct. No, no, he got, he got passes out of the backfield when he, but I mean, uh, did do you, I, I, I just look at these three players and mm-hmm. go cash games, not necessarily like I, I think, if there's anyone that's going to have a ceiling, it'll be me McKinnon, but the ownership is going to come with it. Uh, I think I'm more likely to play a receiver in that range in GPPs than, than cause I, you don't have like, if you're not paying up for Hopkins, you could kind of do whatever you, you're not paying for Hopkins or Zeke. 
you can kind of do whatever you want. So like, why would I want to do whatever I want at a cheap chalk running back position when I could like, if we take a look at the, the running back ownership on this slate, so I think it's going to be a big deal. I think it's like we have Sanders, Taylor, Drake, Zeke, Henry, and then we get down to 10% McKinnon. Like, why can't I play James Conner at 6,700 at 5%? I mean, like, why can't I just mix in? I could, there's uh, Carson. Like, I, if I don't need to go down and get 5K running back because I'm not playing Hopkins or Julio or any of the 7K wide receivers, like, why do I even need to be in this range in the first place? I'm just, I'm going to play Miles Sanders and then and Carson. And then I get leverage there and I can play any of the receivers I want. Like, this is the kind of, it's a play whoever you want type of slate where like the vomit stacks are just not appealing. Cause you just, you don't, if you're paying up anywhere, you're paying up for chalk. So like, that's a lot of times you could find on slates where you're paying up for something like, Oh, everyone's going to play Hopkins. No one's going to play Michael Thomas. No one's going to play Devontae Adams. No one's like, there's multiple of those guys. And you're like, well, one's going to be 24% owned. One's going to be 8% owned, but at least I'm paying up. And then I'm playing a vomit stack with them. I just don't see how, like, is there a need unless you're playing the high-priced wide receivers, which are going to be chalk, to play any three of those guys? Just like don't don't play them. Yeah, um, I don't think they have a ceiling. Like it's a ceiling problem. I just I I could see Connor having a hundred yards and two touchdowns. I just don't I don't see Mike Davis killing me. He has thirteen points. Great, thanks. Like that's not going to kill me, right? Singletary, you know, maybe he doesn't even get in the end zone. He has uh, five catches out of the backfield and 12 rushes. And he's sitting there with what, 15 points. That doesn't kill me either. I just don't see how these guys kill me. So why should I even bother playing them? Yeah. I mean, we talked about, about him at the top of the show. Uh, you know, Drake from a median perspective doesn't project quite as well, but, you know, he, I think has some ceiling to him and, you know, nicely negatively correlated with, uh, yeah, but he's also going to be 26% owned. So it's like, you're not, it, it's, it's fine. I get it. But it just, he's not the piece of the lineup that I'm differentiating with. Like, he's just like the negative correlation on the Cardinal stack, but I still got to find, I got to find leverage somewhere else. Okay. Right. It's that's, that's, that's why I went to the, like the Miles Sanders. Like, how do I leverage over that? Because the leverage off of Drake, you're just leveraging. Oh, oh, instead of playing Drake, I'm playing Chalk Hopkins. It's like, well, that didn't, that, what, what did that do? That's it. It didn't change anything. Yeah. So is there anything else on the slate that sticks out from uh, the advanced sports analytics model? Um, yeah, not really. I mean, we're, we're kind of in the process of responding to Friday injury. Um, so we're going to update that on the site. Um, you know, I'll probably take a deeper dive into some correlation uh, probably Saturday and Sunday morning to understand. Um, I mean, I think, at this point, I've you know looked enough at it week over week to kind of get a sense of where some of the good, uh, you know, correlated spots are. But I still think uh, you know giving it a second pass and kind of looking at that um, would be useful. Um, you know, that's available on our site for subscribers. Uh, you know, we'll continue to update our uh, you know implied total projections and you know, probabilities of you know slate topping scores uh, from a real football perspective continue to update that uh, through the course of the weekend as you know lines and stuff move um yeah i think, think that's it's kind at, of that's at uh, advanced sports yep 
Right. And you're on Twitter occasionally, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. ASA is on Twitter. Um, you know, we've been trying to do some kind of YouTube videos to walk through uh, the tools, uh, you know, just provide some tutorials for how to use them. Uh, you know, there are, there are contextualized within kind of, you know, specific slates, but the idea is that, you know, the, the functions uh, and, and the features of the tools, you know, can be used in the same way for you know the present and future slate. So that, that could be a useful uh, spot to check us out. Um, if you go to our Twitter, I think we should have some links to some of our YouTube videos. So um, it could be a good spot to look. Right, and if you want more tools and content, get an RG Roto Grinders Premium Core 4 subscription. We're running a promotion, $5 off your first month. So uh, sign up, rotogrinders.com slash media slash ASA. The, uh, the link is in the description of the video or the audio below. So for, for Stuart Gibson, I'm Jordan Cooper. This has been the Advanced Sports Analytics Show on rotogrinders.com. 